Hey, welcome to the podcast of The Kelly Cotrera Show for Friday, February 26th. Peel Regional Council is requesting that when the stay-at-home order is lifted on March the 9th, that Peel moves directly into the red zone of the COVID framework. Patrick Brown, the mayor of Brampton, pleads his case on The Kelly Cotrera Show coming up. But first, this is a very worrying story to me. In fact, this is shocking. Election Canada has given the name and addresses of every Canadian voter to a white nationalist party. They gave an excused white supremacist who, by the way, is in charge of the Canadian Nationalist Party. He um, was charged uh, with uh, hate crimes last week uh, after a video surfaced of him in 2019, which suggested uh, that he, that he was talking about uh, Jewish people as a parasitic tribe. And uh, it's an anti-Semitic, uses all kinds of common anti-Semitic tropes in the video. And the the groups are unnamed that he's talking about, but it's relatively clear. And so he was charged with a hate crime. So Canada gave this guy the address of every voter in the country and the ability to issue tax rebates for donations to his cause. It's shocking And anti-hate activists are calling on the government to change Elections Canada laws to make it so that neo-Nazi and white supremacist groups cannot enjoy the perks and powers granted to federal political parties. Here to talk about it is uh, Bernie Farber. You've heard him on the show before. He's chair of the Canadian Anti-Hate Network. Bernie, this story to you is incredibly shocking, but it, it is incredibly personal as well. And you have taken measures to make sure um, as somebody who is an advocate for anti-hate, that that these people don't know where you live because Absolutely. they yeah. can you can you get into the ins and outs of how this story has affected you? Sure, uh, I've been dealing with hate mongers and hate groups for thirty years. Back in the nineteen nineties, I was actually placed. I was number one person on a hate list, uh, uh, a hit list, uh, actually put together by. Uh, Heritage Front and, and other neo-Nazi groups at the time. I, I required police protection. Um, and and at, at that point, I took some measures uh, in order to ensure my safety. My kids were young at the time, and, uh, you know, it was it was scary. It's even, you know, in many ways worse now, because here we have a situation where uh, Travis Petron, who is the head of this, let's call it what it is, a Canadian Nazi party. He, he has advocated for the uh, uh, to get rid of Jews. He doesn't exactly say how he wants to get rid of them, expel them from, from the country or by other means, um, and, and has been involved in all kinds of other nefarious, uh, uh, you know, hate exclamations, for, for lack of a better term. Um, so he gathers 250 signatures and he hands in his uh, papers to uh, Elections Canada. And that's it. Anybody can then become a political party. And as a result, uh, Elections Canada, uh, you can uh, give every party that is registered uh, a voters list. And what's on that voters list? Your name, your address, your telephone number, where you work, your children. I mean, everything is listed there. Uh, and this is also a guy that has been involved in, in violent crimes in the past. I mean, it's, it's, it's shocking was, you know, was the best word I think that one can use. And I don't think Canadians really understood that this could actually happen, that a, a, a hate monger, a white supremacist, a neo-Nazi gathering 200 and some odd signatures becomes a political party. And then the, the world opens to them in all kinds of terrible, potentially mm-hmm. dangerous, potentially violent ways.
So, Bernie, you've, you've deregistered yourself as I a have. voter. I have, and so has a, quite a, a number of other people. Uh, we, we, you know, we took this, this action actually about two years ago when, when he first became uh, a party, because we, we realized this. We, we actually tried to get the message out at that time, uh, but it took his being charged under, Canada, under Canada's anti-hate laws uh, for this story to reemerge. Um, so, you know, today, and it's, it's not just anti-hate activists, it's journalists that people may not like, it, it yeah. could be police officers. I mean, the list is long, and yet there it is. I mean, you know, my privacy has been invaded, but not only that, my right to vote. I, I've had to curtail my right to vote for fear that my name appears on a list that can be accessed publicly. So There's how do you, how do that. you vote? I don't. You can't vote. You I have can. lost your democratic right. You've That's waived your democratic correct. right to yep. vote in Canada because Elections Canada has uh, violated your privacy, Absolutely. in my opinion. And, and we will actually be looking at a, a charter challenge some, somewhere down the line. But here's the thing, Kelly. I mean, um, Dominic LeBlanc, who, who Elections Canada, his Ministry of Intergovernmental Affairs, is responsible to, has basically said, tough luck. We're just not going to do anything about it because, you know, a democracy comes first and who cares about its citizens? I, I find that abhorrent. OK, uh, let I, me I, just I, bring this down into something because what you're talking about, it is uh, extremely important. We're talking about uh, the rise of hate in the world and, and giving legitimacy to that hate by allowing them to, you know, give a tax write off to somebody who wants to right. support that, which is appalling. But let's yep. break it down to the privacy here. Yep. Uh, the, the, if we even because there are so many different moving parts to this story that are appalling and shocking. But under uh, Canada elections law, and this is what you were talking about, anybody can form a political party as long as they collect 250 voters and like That's signatures correct. of pos of people that would vote and they file the necessary paperwork. So if I said, Chris, hey, how about you and I start the no socks with sandals party because I'm offended by people that wear socks with their sandals. Just something foolish like that. I know it's very, this is a very high school thing to say. But if I said that and there were like 250 listeners that say, yeah, you know what, Kelly, I hate socks with sandals as well. I'm going to sign your, I'm going to sign your voters list. And they say they do. Then I can then say I'm a candidate in an election or by-election. I'm the no socks with sandals party. I'm going to run. And by the way, I'm going to need to uh, get the voters list. And, and Elections correct. Canada would send me the name and number and all the information of where you live, who you Everything. are, I get it all. You get it, you get it all. It is actually that simple. You just have to run a candidate to show that you're a legitimate party. They ran four candidates. They got no votes. I mean, very few votes. That's not the point, right? It doesn't take a, a lot of people to create hatred and havoc and danger and murder. I mean, we've seen one person walk into a mosque in this country and, and, and murder six people. So numbers aren't, aren't the point here. The point is that this dangerous hate monger has now been given access by our government to a, to a voter's list of private information that he should never have been given. And by the way, it's not like, it's not like Canada can't take action. Uh, yeah. Germany, for example, does have laws that do not permit Nazi parties and racist parties to form. Uh, so does Austria. Uh, so does New Zealand. I mean, there are countries that, that, you know, that have kind of seen the light and, uh, and understand the danger of hate mongers forming political parties. Here in Canada, we have not, uh, I mean, not only have we not seen it, the government's response has been too bad, tough luck. That's been the government's response. And that, to me, is as shocking as this happening in the first place, because if, if there had been a response mm -hmm. saying, we're going to look into this and we're going to fix it, all right. But that's not the response.
So, Bernie, what now? Well, what now is we start advocating uh, to government. Uh, we start looking at other, we have a minority government right now. We appeal to the Conservative Party. We appeal to the NDP. We appeal to the Greens. Uh, we, and by the way, they're in as much danger as anybody else because their names and their addresses and their private phone numbers, all of it is in the hands of uh, Travis Patron. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm talking to you about this and mm-hmm. it's like I'm incredulous. I just, I just don't I get, get how people understand it. Well, I, I, I don't think people do understand it. I don't think people are aware of it. And I think that, that we should be aware of it beyond the fact that, you know, some people could be targeted, which is extremely disturbing. Uh, what is also disturbing is the lack of uh, care that this government is taking with our private information. Well, at, at give this, me a at break. This point, no, no. At this point, that's, that, that's absolutely correct. I mean, as I said, uh, hatred is on the rise. Yes. That we know. We have we have seen it going from, you know, hateful words on synagogues and mosques to assaults and to murder in this country. So we know it's on the rise in ways it never has been before. A lot of us felt comfortable because our, our, our privacy was, we thought, guarded. But along comes this neo-Nazi who just flaunts the, doesn't flaunt the rules, he plays by the He's, rules, sure, and sets up his own party, and now has access to information. People should be absolutely not just shocked, but angered to their very bones. And they should be calling their MPs and saying, how, how can this happen? And more important, they should be asking their MPs, how can you have such a cavalier attitude about this? Yeah. You know, they have children, they have grandchildren. Uh, you know, how can they have such a cavalier attitude about this? That is, I have to tell you, more than anything, when I woke up this morning and, and read the story and read Mr. LeBlanc's response, that is what got to me more than anything else. Bernie, I want to thank you for your time and uh, sharing your uh, point of view, because I I think it's an important one that we hear. And I I do appreciate it. And I wish you a a safe and happy weekend. You too, Kelly. You take care and to to your listeners. Thank you, Bernie. Bernie Farber is chair of the Canadian Anti-Health Hate Network. Rather, You know what really gets me uh, going about this story beyond the the hate aspect of the story is the privacy aspect of the story, Chris, because if you think about this, I think there should be legit. Should there not be a higher threshold for the number of like minded people you have to have in order to be considered a a political party, a legitimate political party that is privileged, that is privy now to all of our private information, our names, our addresses, our information that is on the voter registry? Give me a break because I just want to say this here. If a telemarketer wanted to get a voting list, our voting list, which is incredibly valuable. You think about how valuable that is to a telemarketer. All our phone numbers, our addresses. If a telemarketer wanted to get a voting list, all they would have to do is run somebody in the election and get 25, uh, 250, 250 signatures. I've got 250 Facebook friends, at least. That'd be easy. Well, you could probably get a lot of people signed on for for something pretty easily. Now, the thing is, the internet breeds this kind of stuff as well. There's all sorts of groups of living in the shadows. They may not even know each other, but um, far apart from each other in their own privacy of their own homes, they they think these thoughts and they sign on to something like this, especially if it's sort of coached in a way that doesn't explicitly say what they're saying. And the net effect is yeah. that there is now fear and regardless of whether they get anyone elected or they actually hurt anyone, they are now silencing the voting rights of people who are living in fear for their lives and their safety. Yes, and that is an important story. And the other side of the story is our privacy. 
our information is being given away with 250 signatures. That's it. Given away. Think about how expensive that data is. It's all about data right now. Data is super expensive. Data, data, whatever you want to call it. It is currency. Our currency is being given away by our government. That is absolutely appalling and ridiculous. And I want somebody to look into changing the threshold for who is considered uh, uh, an illegitimate, legitimate political party. Mississauga's numbers are as good or better than some of the uh, municipalities in York Region or in Halton Hills or in Hamilton. And uh, we feel we're ready to go. We feel that our businesses have suffered uh, and they have been vigilant and, uh, and our residents has, have as well. Mm-hmm. We've driven down the numbers. We've got driven down the case numbers. Our hospitals are holding their own and have capacity now. That is the mayor of Mississauga, Bonnie Crombie, on with Mike Stafford this morning on the Global Morning Show. Um, York Region entered the provincial COVID-19 red control zone on Monday, and that is what the mayors of Peel are asking um, Dr. Lowe to ask Dr. Williams for. And then Dr. Williams would go to the premier and say, hey, uh, Peel would like to enter the red zone when it comes time on March the 9th. What do you say? And the premier would give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Odds are it would be a thumbs up if uh, Dr. Lowe were to go to Dr. Williams and he moves over to the premier. Because at that stage in time, the premier always uh, says that he listens to Dr. Williams on matters like this. Patrick Brown is the mayor of Brampton. He joins the show now. Hi, Patrick. Good to to have you on. Good morning. Great to be on. So uh, give us your best argument. Why should Brampton move into the red zone when um, we hit the 9th of March? Well, you, you can't slice up the GTA. It's too interconnected. And right now, closing down um, Peel, but having uh, Halton and York Region, which are adjacent, open, has only meant that the same people in, in Mississauga, Brampton, and Caledon are going to Oakville. They're going to 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 Vaughan. It's been great business for restaurants in Vaughan and 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 Halton. And the reality is that's not what public health wants. Public health wants people um, to stay, you know, with within their own neighborhood. And so it's actually created the the opposite effect that, that public health wanted. You know, I'm seeing emails every day. You know, people. You know, going to ski clubs up in up in Collingwood, the, the Caledon Ski Club and the and the Ski Association of Mississauga is saying it makes no sense to shut down skiing in Brampton and Caledon, so we're going elsewhere. You know, I've had people tell me that business has never been better for some restaurants in in adjacent regions, um, and so I, I just think the GTA is too interconnected to have these inconsistent policies throughout the GTA. But what really for me, is a sign that we're ready. Is one, our hospital capacity is now better than it was before COVID. So you're supposed to be in lockdown when your hospital capacity is overwhelmed, um, and and we're not right now. The second thing is, you know, we were very worried um, about uh, those most vulnerable uh, in in long-term care. All our long-term care has now been vaccinated. Um, so you know, I, I do believe that the red zone, which which still has lots of restrictions. Um, it's just not lockdown it is the appropriate step on on March 9th. I agree that economic health is is super important. I know, so I get what you're saying about your businesses being hurt by, you know, potential uh, customers zone hopping. Are you concerned about the possibility of crowds like at, at winners locations in Peel uh, that we saw during uh, the opening day one of York Region going into the red zone? We saw that in a viral video. Yeah, but that viral video was from people from Mississauga, Brampton, Caledon, and Toronto going to it. We don't um, have proof anything, of that. 
if yeah, I see it anecdotally on on Facebook. I I, I I see on social media the posts from our residents and and, and people in Toronto uh, flocking up to to the regions that are open. And so, if anything, if you have more winners open, you have more stores open. It's, it, it 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 spreads it out. Okay. Um, I I think you're naive. Anyone who says that people are staying at home and they're not going uh, to, to the areas that are open, it's a naive perspective. The reality is they are, and uh, and um, and you can't put a wall up between Toronto and Markham. You can't put a wall up between Vaughan and Brampton. These are adjacent, interconnected communities. Um, and if the justification for a massive lockdown was hospital capacity, um, you know we don't have that. Uh, we don't have that claim anymore. Let me ask you this, because Bonnie Crombie brought this up. Um, as far as Peel goes, uh, Peel Brampton has had 60% of the cases to Mississauga's 40%. So if most of the, the majority of the cases, more than half, are in Brampton, are you concerned at all about Brampton moving into the red zone? No, because the reason we were held back last time wasn't because of Brampton. It was because of the variant outbreak in, in, in Mississauga. And it now looks like that variant outbreak is under control. As you recall, Dr. Lowe said the principal reason he was asking for an additional two weeks was because of that variant outbreak um, in Mississauga that had um, a huge number of, 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 of cases. Uh, mm-hmm. But he wanted to measure them for, for, for two weeks. And so that that is still... Um, Concern. I think we do need to keep an eye on the on the variants, but right now the variants is not affecting hospital capacity. Um, and like I said, um, you know we have a level of protection now that all our long term care is is vaccinated. So you've got um, people from Peel listening right now. What are your um, what, what what how are you feeling about Dr. Lowe receiving the information, the request from the mayors and? Um, and council voting unanimously to move into the red zone. Do you think that odds are high that you will be moving into the red zone? Well, and he said on Wednesday that he was optimistic. He was optimistic that, that we'd be there, that, that we've met his his thresholds. And so I remain cautiously optimistic. But we did say uh, contingent on there's not going to be a spike in case. If all a spike in cases, if all of a sudden our case counts doubled uh, and started to go the wrong direction. Um, everyone would understand if he if his optimism changes. But right now, um, you know, the positivity rate's declining. The hospital capacity is getting better and better. Right now, all the indicators are encouraging. Um, and unless that changes, I, I think there should be a level of optimism. Okay. Um, before I let you go, because I don't have much time left with you, uh, municipalities are starting to question the province's plan to build the 413 highway in the West GTA corridor. Where's Brampton on this? So we actually came up with a, a, a compromise solution, which was endorsed by environmentalists and business leaders um, and unanimously endorsed by our, our city council. And that's the boulevard concept, similar to the European model. When it goes through an urban area, it turns into um, a, a boulevard. And uh, that way you have the transportation corridor, um, but you're not having a highway go through the the, the the heart of a city and so you know we're, we're hopeful that our boulevard proposal will be considered by the province uh, and uh, i'm told by the regional minister that uh, that it's something they're looking at so but the boulevard it, correct me if i'm wrong because i was talking to somebody from the environmental defense fund on this the boulevard the idea has been quashed if that highway goes in the highway would go straight through that boulevard so that just wouldn't happen am i have i been misinformed yeah. So um, right now, the province has told us they're they're considering the boulevard concept, and so similar to what you see in Europe, where the a traditional highway then changes as it enters an urban area, 
Um, one, you can get it built twice as fast, and it's and and it's dramatically um, less um, expensive. And so you do need to move people and goods. Um, but I believe uh, uh, that how we build highways should change, um, given the fact there's a new environmental awareness of our of our responsibilities uh, uh, to, to to future generations. And, and that's why Brampton has really started the conversation on how we can do highway building differently. Okay, I'm going past time here, but I have to ask you very quickly, do I have this concept right? The highway would then slow down as it moved through this bullet boulevard area. The, the speed limit would be reduced. So it wouldn't be like a traditional 400 series highway. No. Yeah, so it would not be like a traditional 400 series highway. But yes, um, your description is correct. All right. Patrick, thank you very much for joining us. I appreciate your time and best of luck moving into the red zone. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining the podcast. Don't forget, you can just subscribe and we'll be waiting for you Monday through Friday right here. Have a great day.